Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. And good evening. My name is Howie Silberger. Welcome to the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Feel free to call in and join in on the conversation. Number to call, 1-877-669-1292. That's one 669 1292 That's the number to call. You get in on the conversation. I could talk to you. You could talk to me. We could talk to each other. It's lovely on this fifth night of Hanukkah. It'd be nice to talk to you. Uh, I was thinking, and uh, it's very dangerous when I start thinking, because uh, normally when I start thinking and I come up with these ideas and I express them on the show, a lot of people... Um, disagree with me, but that's fine. You, you have the right to disagree with me. And like I said, lines are always open and you can feel free to call in at any time at one 669 1292 So what was I thinking? I know I said I would never talk about this on the show again, but we're going to talk a little bit about it, uh, not directly. So Kanye West, a little while back, came up with the uh, with uh, the ridiculous statements that uh, Jews control the media and Jews control the world and the Jews have destroyed his life. Uh, and he's going on and on praising Hitler. The guy's gone off the deep end and he's, uh, and he's praising, uh, he, he's, he's expressing his anti-Jewish sentiments, and that's fine. Uh, everyone should have the right to express themselves. Whether we agree with them or don't disagree with them, they should have the right to express themselves, and um, and we should have the right to respond to them, uh, which the Jewish community has very forcefully, surprisingly forcefully, and uh, it's hurt Kanye in, in in many different ways. And I was thinking that um, that as we discuss the miracles of Hanukkah, and as we look at the story of Hanukkah, we we have to understand that Hanukkah is a story of. Uh, of Jewish survival, it's a story of uh, of Jewish um, uh, of Jewish victory, of Jewish military victory. Uh, it's not so much the winning of the land. It's not so much the um, the the reconquering of the temple, and not so much the candles, uh, the the candelabra, and the the menorah in the temple, and the oil that burned for eight days that should have only burned for one. These are all miracles of Hanukkah, but but the biggest miracle of Hanukkah was actually a fight for spiritualism. It was a fight to save the uh, the spirit of Judaism, to save the traditions, the spirit, the uh, the um, the religion of Judaism, and that was really the fight of Hanukkah. That was really the battle of Hanukkah, and and it's interesting. It's interesting uh, when I think about it in context of Hanukkah that Kanye West may be miraculous. It, the fact that he stood up against the Jewish people, the fact that he got up and he made public statements against the Jewish people might actually be a miracle from God. Now, I, I know a lot of you are saying, what, well, what are you talking about, Howie? What's wrong with you? <laughs> How could you say that a, a rabid anti-Jewite is a miracle from God? Well, who says that? Who, who could say that? Who could possibly think that? What are you smoking, Howie? That's that's probably what a lot of you are asking right now. But I, I, I thought about it for a long time. I, I just don't come out into the show and just say things. I, I think about them before I say them. And I thought about this for a very long time. Kanye West got up and said bad things about Jewish people, very bad things about Jewish people. He praised mass murderers, uh, mass Jewish murders of Jews. He, uh, he, he essentially supported, and I, I guess he still... 
supports the genocide of the Jewish people, the destruction of the state of Israel. But when he did that, being such a public figure doing something like that, what Kanye did was he forced other people in, in media, other people in entertainment, other people in the world who didn't necessarily care that much about the Jewish people or about anti-Jewism. They were more concerned about, uh, about trans rights. And they were more concerned about black rights. And they were more concerned about all sorts of other things. Jews never factored into their thinking. He got them thinking about the Jews. Now, this could have been a double-edged sword, granted. They could have thought about the Jews and said, we hate them too. But they didn't. And this is where the miracle comes in. That they didn't come out and say, we hate the Jews and we, we agree with Kanye that Hitler didn't finish the job. What they did say was that Kanye should not have said this about the Jews and that we have to stand up against anti-Jewism. What they did say was that we have to stand up and we have to fight the anti-Jewites no matter where they are. This is coming from uh, people who never really cared about Jewish people, people who never really paid attention to the plight of the Jews and, uh, and, and of anti-Jewism that cropped up around the, around the world. We have university presidents getting up and saying that this is not acceptable behavior on our campuses, where it always has been acceptable behavior on campuses. You have, uh, you have the Globe and Mail, which, which is fascinating to me, wrote an opinion piece. It was, it was uh, written um, just two days ago. The Globe and Mail wrote an opinion piece, an editorial board opinion piece by the Globe and Mail. And uh, their title was The Fight Against Anti-Semitism Requires Solidarity with Jewish Canadians, Not Just Sympathy. It, it's mind-blowing that this is appearing in a national newspaper in Canada. Uh, I'm going to read you the article because it's not that long, and, uh, and I think it's important that we, that we, we understand that this is, this is what the thought process is going through the minds of people at newspapers now. Once upon a time, anti-Semitism at the University of Toronto was straightforward. The university's faculty of medicine kept a tight lid on how many Jewish students were accepted, turning away highly qualified applicants for no other reason than they had filled in Hebrew on an application form demanding detailed religious information. By the early 1960s, this institutionalized bigotry had come to an end. But flash forward to 2022. In September, the temporary faculty of medicine published, uh, publicly apologized for that decades-long discrimination, building on a detailed investigation in 2021. From the outside, that looked like just another atonement, but progress. But it turns out that anti-Semitism at the University of Toronto has just retreated to the shadows to regroup. Dr. Ayelet Cooper, who had been the medical faculty's senior advisor on anti-Semitism, published a scathing report in the Canadian Medical Education Journal earlier this month that revealed a social environment rotten with anti-Semitism. Her findings take place against a broad rise in hate in Canada. The most recent numbers from Statistics Canada shows a sharp spike in 2020 in reported hate crimes to the highest level on record. Anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, hate crimes against Indigenous people, attacks on radical Canadians, on racialized Canadians, excuse me. All of those uh, permutations of bigotry continue to the disturbing trend. In a report, Dr. Cooper recounts how a fellow faculty member refused to include anti-Semitism in an anti-racism course because that might normalize the existence of a Jewish state in Israel. Such a sentiment makes Jewish Canadians collectively responsible for the actions of the Israeli government. It is indisputably anti-Semitism. The university acknowledged that Dr. Cooper's report is accurate and has decried those incidents as completely unacceptable. The toxic environment 
at U of T is sad. Anything but an isolated incident. Anti-Semitism is bubbling up from the sewer across Canada and everywhere else. The bizarre seeds, the bizarre screeds of Yi, formerly Kanye West, are just one high-profile example. This was the unsettling and bizarre episode over the summer with Leif Marouf, whose Community Media Action Center received $133,000 in federal funding from the Heritage Department. A supposed anti-racism lecturer, Ms. Marouf tweeted about bags of human feces, a.k.a. Jewish white supremacists. In recent weeks, two events on Parliament Hill, one organized by a liberal MP, the other by an NDP MP, included attendees with a history of demonstrably anti-Semitic comments. There were apologies and disavowals, to be sure, but Jewish Canadians and everyone else can ask, why the seemingly blind spot? That has been a pressing question with anti-Semitic acts on the rise and since across Canada have surged since 2017, particularly during the pandemic, according to statistics from B'nai B'rith. The group documented 2,799 such incidents in 2021, including 75 acts of violence. That represents almost an 80% jump in total incidents since 2017. Violent incidents were nearly four times higher. Looking to counter that worrying trend, B'nai B'rith has urged the University of Toronto among others, to adopt an International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance non-legally binding definition of anti-Semitism. Canada, several provinces, and other institutions have adopted the IHRA definition with Saskatchewan following suit on Monday. What would seem to be an obvious gesture has instead become a flashpoint, with some groups contending that adopting the definition would chill free speech because it could discourage criticism of Israel and target supporters of Palestine. Legitimate criticism of Israel's actions should not be precluded, something the IHRA acknowledges. But it isn't much of an intellectual feat to square vigorous condemnation of Israel with the avoidance of hateful anti-Semitic speech. If a more widespread adoption of the IHRA definition can make some feel less latitude in minimizing the Holocaust or in holding Jewish Canadians collectively responsible for the actions of Israel, then good. The University of Toronto's medical faculty and other public institutions in Canada should adopt the IHRA definition. Solidarity, not mere expressions of sympathy, is needed. And, and, and that's the Global Mail. They wrote this. This was an opinion piece in the Global Mail. It's fascinating that a, a, a major newspaper, a, a newspaper, a national newspaper in Canada, would publish a piece decrying anti-Semitism. This has not happened uh, very often before. And it's, it should happen all the time. I, uh, I always argued. I argued with a lot of people when Black Lives Matter was rioting across uh, North America. I argued with a lot of people. And uh, we did a lot of shows on Black Lives Matter. If you look back in the archives on YouTube, you'll, you'll see we did a ton of shows on Black Lives Matter. And, and the argument that I always made was, yes, uh, Black Lives Matter, Jewish Lives Matter too. And I, I always asked the question, when, when Jews are murdered anywhere in the world, when Jews are murdered— why is it that there are no condemnations? Why is it that nobody seems to care when Jewish blood is shed? Why is it that the Jewish community is the only community in North America that is forced to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to build security features into their buildings and hire security guards and metal detectors and all sorts of other security features? Why are the Jews the only ones afraid in North America? Why could churches keep their doors open 24 hours a day and not fear somebody coming in and murdering them? But the Jewish fear is always someone's going to come in and murder them. This is the question that I ask, and I ask perpetually, and nobody has been able to answer that question, which, is, which to me is also shocking that nobody's been able to answer that question. But that is the question I ask continuously, is why? 
And the answer is, and, and it's, it's, it's a simple answer in my, in my opinion, at least it's a simple answer. The answer is because of apathy. Jewish apathy, we don't take a strong enough stand when people stand up against us. And world apathy. The world just doesn't care about Jews. In fact, the world is fascinated by dead Jews. It's shocking. I know it sounds shocking. But the world is actually fascinated by dead Jews. Think about it for a second. When you have a conversation with somebody, if you're not Jewish and you have a conversation with somebody, it inevitably leads to, and you're talking about Jews or, or, or something Jewish, it inevitably leads to a discussion about the Holocaust because the world is fascinated with dead Jews. When, when, when somebody puts up a display about Jews, it's inevitably pictures of dead Jews being pushed into, uh, into mass graves because the world is obsessed with dead Jews. The world just loves dead Jews. And so when, when, when a Jew gets shot up, when, when a synagogue gets shot up and a Jew get, dies in a synagogue or a supermarket gets shot and a Jew dies in a supermarket, the, the, world, the world looks at this and says, oh, look, another dead Jew, yay. When that supermarket was shot up in New Jersey a couple of years ago, there was, there was a little bit of coverage on CNN and, and, and uh, Fox and, and ABC maybe. But it was a major incident. Nobody, nobody covered it majorly. Nobody condemned it. The UN didn't get involved. Nobody cared. It's fascinating. Jews were beaten up in New York City for years already. Jews have been beaten on the streets of New York. And nobody gives a damn. It's fascinating that when a Jew gets killed in Israel, it's not front page news. When a terror attack happens against Jews in North America, it ain't front page news. But if one Arab dies... If a Jew kills an Arab in Israel, it is front-page news right across the world. Nobody cares about the Jewish life. So if nobody's going to care about Jewish life, and that's, that's generally the way it is, if nobody's really going to care about Jewish life, then Jews have to care about Jewish life. But we don't seem to care about it either. We don't seem to care about Jewish life either. The Jewish community tends to be quiet Tends to tends to quiet down and 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 and, and not condemn the the murders. Sure, we'll do it quietly. It always drove me crazy, and I'm telling you, it drove me insane, and it continues to drive me insane when Jewish people decide that they're going to retaliate for something anti-Jewish that happens, and how they're going to do it is in a synagogue with armed guards standing in the front of the, in the building. What a sign of weakness! What a crazy thing to do. If you want to have a Jewish rally, have it outside. You want to have a Jewish rally if somebody does something on the street? Get out on the street and fight back. What's wrong with this community? And it's a question I've been asking for almost 30 years now. What is wrong with the community? And I know when I ask this question, I'm going to get three rabbis calling me and saying, Howie, what are you doing? Why are you saying this? You're crazy. Stop talking like this. We do, we do stuff quietly, we do stuff behind the scenes. We do things that we have to do and, uh, you know, we don't want copycats. So we don't, we don't get out there, we don't, we don't condemn it because we don't want copycats. Give me a break. Give me a break. We don't want copycats so we don't condemn it? Really? If you don't condemn it, you're, you're asking for copycats. You're begging them to come and copycat. You're telling them, I don't care that you swastika my, my my synagogue. Do it again. Who cares? 
We're not going to condemn you. We're not going to do anything. Yeah, we'll talk behind the scenes. We'll, we'll whisper to the police chief, hey, you got to find the guy who did this. But we're not going to do anything uh, publicly. We're not going to condemn you. We're not going to embarrass you publicly. No, no, no. That's not what Jews do. We stay quiet. Give me a break. What happened to the strong Jews? What happened to the loud Jews? What happened to the Jews that got on the streets and fought for the, for the, for the Russians, uh, fought the Russians to get the Jews out of the Soviet Union? What happened to those Jews? What happened to the Jews that, that got up and, and, and screamed and yelled for Jonathan Pollard? What happened to those Jews? I know that generation of Jews grew up. That generation is gone. But, but really, the next generation, have we become that soft? Now, I know that apathy. I know apathy comes with wealth. And, and as the Jewish community got richer and richer in, in, in North America and everywhere else, uh, they got more and more apathetic. I know that. That's, that's what happens. It's what happens with apathy. It happens when you get comfortable in the, in the country, in the city that you're living in. You become weak. You become soft. And that's what's happened to our Jewish community. We've become fat cows that are soft and sitting around and saying, okay, you know, if, if somebody starts with us, we have the police and we have all these connections and the internet, you know, the backdoor connections, and we'll, we'll take care of it. Give me a break. That's not the way to handle it. And if we handle it that way, and if you say, Howie, you don't represent the Jewish community, you can't say things like that. Federation represents the Jewish community. B'nai B'rith represents the Jewish community. No, they don't. They don't represent me. They don't represent me. I speak on behalf of myself. And whoever doesn't like it, too bad. And I've been speaking on behalf of myself for years. I've always said the same thing. Whoever has called me and said, hey, Howie, you can't say that, too bad. Last time I checked, we live in a free country, and if you don't like it, too bad. Now, I have open lines, and you can feel free to call in at any time, one 669 1292 you don't like something I say, feel free to call me at any time. I'll put you on the show. We could discuss it. We could debate it. But I'm going to express my opinion. I'm going to continue expressing my opinion for as long as I'm able to speak. You're never going to stop me from talking. And I hope that some, some, some of the things I say, you listen to. I hope that you take my advice at least once or twice. That's my hope. I hope that at least once or twice you take my advice and you realize that, that sometimes what the organized Jewish community is doing is not actually the right thing. That sometimes you, maybe you should listen to other people and take other people's advice and, and do things that other people say because sometimes that's the way it's supposed to be done. Sometimes you get lost in your own bureaucracy. You get lost in your own, uh, in your own ego to realize that, that, that what you're doing is not working. And as Jews are getting attacked in the street, as Jews, as Jewish institutions keep bordering, uh, keep, uh, keep, keep adding more and more security features to their buildings, it's obvious that whatever you're doing is not working. So maybe take another approach. Maybe if the Jewish community showed that they were strong and showed that they were willing to fight back and showed that they, they weren't going to put up with this garbage, maybe, just maybe then, they will, um, then, then the Jew hater will get the message. Remember years ago, I had Mike Guzowski. He was the uh, director of uh, of Kahan Chai in New York. He, he was on my um, he was on my show years and years and years ago. And I asked him. I said, "What do you do with Jew haters?" And he said, "You break their heads. That's what you do with Jew haters. You break their heads. That's the only way they'll get the message that Jews are not weak. That Jews are strong people." And I remember that it stuck in my head very clearly. I mean, this this interview probably happened twenty five years ago, but it stuck in my head very clearly. And I agree with him. I may not agree with everything he said, but I agree with that point. That if we don't break their heads, either figuratively or physically, the Jew hater just doesn't get the message. 
And I think it's important that we send the message that Jews are not weak. Jews are strong. We're a strong community, and we're going to continue to be a strong community, regardless if people hate us or not. And that's the message we have to send. We have to continue sending that message. All right, I just want to sh- shift gears here before we, uh, before we finish off. I want to shift gears and uh, tell you that, um, that it's a very sad, sad week in the Jewish community in Montreal this week. Uh, JNR Kosher, a, a an institution in Montreal, a meat institution in Montreal. They were butcher shop here for seventy years. I think they're the longest uh, continuously running butcher shop in the city. Uh, they're closing their doors tomorrow. Now, uh, they they um, they they're, they've been around for a long time. They've they've sold meat for a very very long time. I worked for them for quite a while, and I have to tell you that the quality of meat that they sold was was an unbelievable quality of meat, and uh, and and. It's just sad when, when kosher butchers disappear. We live in a community where there's very few places that you could go to buy different varieties of food and different varieties of meat. And when one shuts down, we, uh, we have to take a pause and we have to just recognize that it's a, sim- it's a symbol. It's a symbol of a, a very sad phenomenon that's happening in our communities. And the sad phenomenon is, of course, assimilation, where Jews decide they're not eating kosher anymore and therefore the need for kosher food is decreasing. So when we see kosher food establishments shutting down, we, we have to remember that uh, this, is a, this is a sign of assimilation. This is a sign of the end of the Jewish community in North America. Because once Jewish tradition disappears, then Judaism disappears. There is no point in Judaism if you don't follow the traditions of Judaism. Sure, we could say I'm a cultural Jew. I'm a heritage Jew. I'm a, my mother was Jewish, therefore I'm Jewish. You can make all those. You can make all those statements, and and technically you may be true. Everything you say might be true, but once we remove Judaism, the religion, from the Jewish people, then there is no point in in following the traditions. Then why are you doing it? I, a couple of years ago, I had a, an atheist on the show. We we talked about um, we we talked about this very topic. I said he because he told me that I'm an atheist, but I still go to synagogue and I still I still follow the holidays and I still do all that stuff. And I said to him, "Why?" And that that was my question. Why would you do that? And he looked at me. He says, "I don't understand the question." I said, "Well, if you, if you tell me you don't believe in God, and you tell me you don't believe in Judaism, then why would you follow Jewish tradition? Does make sense?" So if you're if you're not a, if you don't believe in God and you don't believe in Torah, then why would you do anything Jewish? For cultural reasons, for heritage reasons, because my parents did it. Is that good enough? Is that is that really a reason to do something continuously? And a lot of people are making that argument, and they're walking away from Judaism. And so when that happens, what happens is institutions like JNR Kosher, who've been around for seventy years, end up shutting down. And we're going to see more and more kosher places shutting down because the kosher market is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking, even though the Jewish community is not. What a shame. What an absolute shame. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show. We're heard live uh, almost every night of the week right here on the True Talk Radio Network. The other studio, the new studio, is just about done. And so hopefully on Monday we'll start broadcasting from the new studio. Until then, I wish you a great weekend. I wish you a happy Hanukkah, and I look forward to uh, to talking to you and to seeing you again uh, next week right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Have a great weekend. Have a great Hanukkah. Have a great week. <laughs>